The following resource is from lmpc.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lmpc.org give. These are selected verses in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, this morning we continue in our series in the book of Deuteronomy and more specifically in our study of the Ten Commandments. And just by way of reminder, God's law is given only after he has delivered and rescued his people, Israel, out of slavery in Egypt. And so these commands are given to a freed people to show the pathway to flourishing as they enter into the promised land. So far we've studied the first four commands, which is known as the first table of the law. And the first four commands reveal how we are to love God and how we are to worship him rightly. And today we begin to examine the second table of the law that leads us to consider how we are to love our neighbor rightly. And what the fifth commandment reveals is that loving our neighbor actually begins within the home. This command is a connector, it's a bridge between the first and second table of the law. And so our loving reverence that is to mark our family relationships is also to be reflected in the way that we show reverence in our relationship with God himself. And the way that we live, the way that we worship is intimately interconnected together. And thus in light of the fifth commandment, there's no way to truly honor God, our heavenly father, if we don't honor God our earthly parents and authority that are placed over us. And so when we think, when we come to the New Testament, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, we have to understand as we begin this morning to see that our family is the most fundamental neighbor that we have. And so with that in mind, let's pray and then we will look at this command. Let's pray together. Father, as the one who is high and lifted up, we come to you this morning in meekness, and in humility to hear from you. And so would you, by your grace, allow me to speak truth clearly in spirit and in truth. Lord, make these, my brothers and sisters, a receptive audience for your word. Lord, would you do this 
for our good and your glory. We pray this in the one who is our sure and steady anchor, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, one man complained with these words. He said, youth today have all kinds of luxury. They have bad manners, contempt for authority, no respect for older people, and talk nonsense when they should work. Young people do not stand up any longer when adults enter the room. They contradict their parents. They talk too much in company, and they tyrannize their elders. may surprise you, but do you know who said those words? The Greek philosopher Socrates, some 400 years before Jesus was born. Thus reminding us that in every generation, young people have had issue with authority. But as we'll see this morning, it's not just young people. This morning, we're going to study the fifth commandment and we'll discover the nature of God's command, which is to respectfully recognize those with authority. But then we'll see our crisis as children who are rebellious when it comes to being given authority or coming under authority. And then finally, we will see our comfort, which is found in our elder brother, our perfect, the perfect son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, first we have to understand the meaning of this command. God has given authority to various offices within his creation, and one of those is the office of parent. And God has, in his, the structure of his created order, the family is the, built as the fabric of that, beginning all the way back with Adam and Eve in the first family. But while this command centers on the family, it is much broader than that, as we will see as it extends to all authority that God places over us in our lives. The fifth command really is a template for all relationships of authority that we have in our lives. Now, within the, the context of the ancient Near East, the, the term father had more to do beyond the natural father because there was also spiritual fathers that they were being called to and ancient fathers and political fathers of the day. And so the implications of this command include how we are to relate to various authorities, whether that's at school, in the workplace, as those as citizens within the church, and even others in the community. And as we begin, I think the Westminster Larger Catechism is very helpful in understanding uh, the answer to the question, what is meant by father and mother? And here's the answer. The answer is, by father and mother, this command means not only natural parents, but all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as, by God's ordinance, all who are over us in place of authority, whether that's in the family, the church, or the commonwealth. We see that this command deals with how we are to relate to authority within the family, but also how we relate to every other authority over us. Now, what does it mean to honor authority? Now, the word honor here, the Hebrew word, is kavod, which means to add weight to. It's the same word for glory. So it's the idea of giving proper weight and position to those that God has given authority, mom and dad and others in our lives. And so to dishonor our parents or those in authority is to treat them lightly without giving weight to their position, to treat them flippantly. But to honor our parents were to attach great worth and value to our relationship with them. Now it's interesting that the word here is honor, it's not obey. And as we'll see here in a minute, honor does not always equal obedience. And that's an important point to point out. But John Calvin is helpful and wise, I think, when he says that honor requires three things. It requires reverence, obedience, and gratitude. Reverence, not because our parents or any other authority is worthy in and of themselves to be revered, 
but because the reverence that God has placed, I mean, the position that God has placed upon them as those in authority. Now, every one of us in this room as a parent would readily admit we have failed and at times failed miserably in the parenting of our children. And so this reverence is to be shown because God is the one who establishes authority and places that authority, uh, those authority figures in our lives. Now, this is why, for example, kids don't typically call their parents by their first name. They call them by mom or dad because they're the only ones who can call you mom or dad. It's a point of reverence and of respect as they're giving you what the authority of your position uh, should be given. And as we see here, honor doesn't always equal obedience, but in the scriptures, the Bible places a great deal of emphasis on younger children obeying their parents. Now, kids, teenagers, despite what Hollywood uh, in the movies and TVs show, your parents are not dumb and imbecilic, or at least not to the degree you think they are. No, actually, they have been given God-given wisdom that has come through their successes, and maybe more times through their failures and through all kinds of life experience that God has given them. And so you do well and it can be tremendously helpful for you if you will submit and listen to their wisdom and obey the instruction that they give you in your life. One of my professors, John Frame, said that when we respect someone, we hear them with respect, not assuming from the outset that we know more than they. And I know, kids, that it can often seem that your parents don't know what you're walking through or they can't relate because we grew up many, many years before what's going on now, but they have wisdom that you're to listen to. Mark Twain once said, when I was 14 years old, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to be around the man. But when I turned 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. (laughs) Parents get that. Children, teenagers, while you're younger, honoring your parents most often takes the form of obedience. It's obedience to your parents that trains you in submission to other authority, including the Lord Jesus himself. It's under the training and discipline of your parents that you're prepared to live orderly and God-honoring lives as you get out into the world. And this obedience that you're called to give to your parents and your authority is to be done in the Lord. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, meaning that you're to honor your parents and every other authority so long as it does not go against God's law and his truth. So between honoring God and honoring your authority, you always go with honoring God because of truth that he has set forth. But as you get older, we see that this honoring doesn't always take the shape of obedience. It transitions in ways to looking more like reverence and respect as you care for your aging parents and you treat them with kindness and gentleness and provide for their needs as they come about. Honor also, not only with reverence and submission and obedience, but it takes the shape of gratitude. Kids, one of the greatest ways that you can honor your parents is by saying thank you, by remembering what they have done for you in your life. They have a role that is one of sacrifice, one of service, one of selflessness that is shown in numerous ways every day of your life. Whether it is from the meals that are prepared or purchased for you, whether it's the laundry that magically is cleaned and folded back in your dresser every week, or whether it's being your Uber driver, taking you to school, from school to athletics and all kinds of other things in between, or the money spent on Christmas presents every year. 
all kinds of ways that they are sacrificing and serving you. And so gratitude, recognizing their role and verbalizing this to mom and dad, brings great honor and joy to their role as a parent, which involves much sacrifice, energy, time, and even tears at moments. Now, our gratitude should be expressed in honoring our parents not only when we're younger, but even as we get older and those roles begin to reverse and we begin caring for our parents. And showing gratitude, we're giving the proper weight that this command is calling us to. But what's the motivation for this command? Why should we carry out this command? Well, again, going back to Ephesians 6, Paul says that this is the first command that has a promise attached to it. And he gives a variation of the promise made here in Deuteronomy 5 when he says, honor your father and your mother that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Now this doesn't mean that if you're a good boy and girl that you'll live, you'll be promised to live to be 95 or 100 years old. No, it's speaking about the experience of the fullness of God's blessing that he bestows upon those who honor him through the honoring of those authorities that he puts in our lives. It's not reduced, Paul's not reducing this down to a formula, but saying that if we follow the pattern that God has set for us, a pattern of flourishing, then we will experience peace and joy and fullness in this life. And for the believer who shows honor to authority, God says that promise is realized here now in this life to a degree and in various ways, but more importantly, in fullness in the new heavens and the new earth. And furthermore, in Colossians 3, Paul says for children to obey their parents, why? Because it pleases the Lord. The honoring of your parents is part of your devotion to Jesus. If you say you are a follower of Christ, then you carry out this command by following those in authority over you because it pleases the Lord. And this promise given by God reveals that his people experience this freedom, this joy, this fullness in life and their relationships as those with authority serve down And as those under authority, honor up. And I'll explain what I mean by that. But each one of us knows that this is a struggle, is it not? To submit to authority, to parents, to others. And that's because we are rebels at heart. We are rebellious children. And so next we see our crisis when it comes to this command. Since Adam and Eve first sinned and their rebellion against God, we have followed suit doing the same thing ever since. In this essence, this command really shows us that we violate and break this command because we don't, in any way that we sin, because we don't honor our Father, the Lord Jesus. And because of our sin, our default mode is to believe that we're to live as our own authority. I don't need anyone to tell me how to live or what to do or to instruct me. I can handle everything just fine. And while we do have a degree of authority, that authority is limited in scope and it's interconnected with authority of all kinds of others around us. And we have to acknowledge that at the core of our hearts is a rebel child who wants to get out from underneath authority, God's authority and even earthly authority. And we have to repent of this if we have any chance of fulfilling and upholding this command in our relationships. Remember King David when he had committed adultery with Bathsheba And he put her husband, Uriah, to death in order to have her as his own. And he was confronted with his sin and undone and broken by it because of his rebellion. And he said, against you, God, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Until we see that our rebellion is first and foremost against the authority of our Heavenly Father, the vertical relationship, we will never properly relate to the authority on the horizontal relationship with those that we engage with 
in the, or on this earth together. We struggle as rebel children when we're given authority, when we're entrusted with that kind of power. In whatever capacity, whether it's a parent, a boss, a teacher, a coach, a mentor, we have been entrusted with authority. How are we using that authority that's been entrusted to us by God? Again, the larger catechism's helpful. Question 129 defines how superiors are to relate to their inferiors with this power and authority entrusted. It says we are to love, to pray for, to protect, and to bless their inferiors. But then it goes on to say that we fail as superiors to honor God when we inordinately seek ourselves, our own glory, ease, profit, and pleasure. Now in our culture today, there is no shortage of examples of the abuse of power and authority, whether it's in the home, whether it's at school, whether it's in the church, or whether it is in the workplace. And so for a moment, I just wanna acknowledge that I know that there's some of us in here who have been wounded deeply and hurt by those who have been in positions of authority over us. And so you're struggling even now to reconcile what's happened to you in the past with this command to honor authority. So I don't wanna minimize that in any way. And there's a lot that can be said about this, but in evaluating what it looks like to practically honor someone who has wounded you, we first have to acknowledge and admit the hurt that we've experienced. And then we need to seek the Lord in his wisdom to know what it looks like practically to honor one who has wounded us. But maybe honoring that person looks like not slandering them, even though they've deeply wounded you. Maybe honoring that person means not allowing a codependency in that relationship by putting up healthy and good boundaries so that you are not hurt again. Or maybe it is taking them before the Lord and asking the Spirit to be at work in their lives, to bring conviction where necessary, and to pray for restoration, pray for healing in that relationship. And even asking the Spirit maybe where we are harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in our own hearts and a lack of compassion. But to know it can be messy and really difficult to live this out under these kind of circumstances. Which kind of leads to the next, begs the next question for us as parents and those that have given authority. How are we using the authority and power entrusted to us? Are we using our authority to serve others that are inferior to us? Are we serving down with that power and authority? For example, would our children say that we're more concerned for them or more concerned for our own desires, our own agendas and pleasures? When we have discipline in the lives of our children, is it for the good of our children or is it merely to maintain the idol of control and order and respect? In Colossians 3, Paul has a word for fathers and mothers in regards to their use of authority. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. In Ephesians 6, he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Parents, we are to extend the honor that God shows us through his patience, his long-suffering, his steadfast love, his mercy and compassion and grace to us that we are to extend to our own children. The Bible reveals that those in authority are to reflect God's good character by serving those underneath them. 
Again, John Frame is helpful in relating to how leadership should steward authority. He says, those with greater authority should serve those with less. The superior must care most, not for himself or herself, but for his or her inferiors. As those with authority over our children, we are to live out the gospel before our children. Now, what about outside of the parent-child relationship? The catechism also says that we fail to honor the father with authority given to us by commanding things unlawful, counseling, encouraging, and favoring them in that which is evil. Our power and our authority in the things that we say and the things that we do has tremendous weight and impact on others. Do we use our counsel to promote what is good, right, and true for the glory of God's name? Or are we simply using our power to manipulate, to scheme, to pursue our own agenda, using our counsel to that which is sinful and evil? The power and authority given by God is to be used for his purposes and the purposes of his kingdom, not for our own advancement and our own agendas. We struggle when given power and how to steward that well. But we also struggle when we're called to come underneath authority and those who are in power over us. So if the response of authority is to serve down and using that authority and benefiting others, then the response of those that to come underneath authority is to honor up. As children, employees, citizens, church members, we have a role to honor our Heavenly Father in these positions. But our problem is, we seek to try to get out of authority and subvert authority because of our rebellious hearts. Or at best, we go along with authority just to get them off our backs. But in Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, we see that the way that God intends for us to thrive and to experience blessing is by giving honor to those that he's placed in authority. And this goes beyond the family structure as he's speaking about government officials, civil authorities, church leaders, and even those that are older than us in society at large. Paul says, honor those to whom honor is due. The catechism states that we fail to honor the Lord when we envy and rebel against their persons and places, counsels, commands, and corrections, cursing and mocking them. Children, teenagers, let me speak to you for just a moment. Do you recognize the role and authority of your parents in your life? How do you speak about your parents to others around you, your classmates, your teammates? What do you say? If your friends never met your parents, but they only knew of your parents by what you said of them, what would they think of them? Would it be favorable and encouraging and respectful or dishonoring? What about for the rest of us? How do we speak about our leaders, especially those that we disagree with? What does it say about our hearts and our posture and attitude and the words that we use when we're supposed to honor those that God, by his providence, has ordained them to be over us? So long as obedience to authority doesn't require us to break God's law, we are called to give reverence, submission, and honor. Do we find ourselves being critical of leaders and really what's at the heart of it is that we're coveting. We're jealous of the position that they have and the authority that they carry. Does that cause us to speak ill about them to others behind their back? That's a rebellious child at heart breaking this fifth command. Children and teenagers, those of you that are still at home, do you listen diligently and honorably to the counsel, to the wisdom, the correction of your parents? 
If not, you're not only dishonoring and sinning against your parents, but ultimately, and more importantly, you're sinning against your Heavenly Father. Your failures to listen call you to repent and see that God in his graciousness has given you that authority for your good. What about for us as grown children? Are we disconnected from our aging parents' voices and their needs and their lives? Are we honoring them in the way that we're caring for them in their aging state? Are we frustrated by their neediness because we're in the prime of our life and they are impeding upon our plans? This is rebellion. How remarkably distinct and refreshing a church would be. A body of believers who would embrace and live out this command in the midst of a world that is watching that is so full of cynicism and conflict and disrespect. We know what it means to honor authority, reverence, submission, gratitude, but we see our crisis as rebels with authority and those who are called to come underneath it. So where do we find comfort? Forgiveness for our rebellious hearts. Or do we find power to transform so that we can honor and fulfill this command by God's grace? Well, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 2, for it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who is sanctified and those who are being sanctified all have one source. That is why he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them brothers. This text is telling us that Jesus is the perfect son. He's the only one that can welcome us into the family of God to be called sons and daughters. He is our only hope to truly honor our Father in heaven and those in authority over us on this earth. He is the perfect son who obeyed his heavenly father at every turn. Look at his earthly ministry in Luke chapter two. He honored his earthly parents perfectly at every point even though they were sinful. Imagine his frustration and wondering at times if he wanted to say, mom and dad, let me tell you how you need to parent me. But he submitted. Or even on the eve of his betrayal in John chapter 17, when he said, Father, I've glorified you on this earth having finished the work that you gave me to do. Knowing what awaited him on the cross and the fullness of our sinful obedience and the penalty that it carries with it, that he still submitted to his father's plan and said, Abba, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And even as he hung on the cross with his body and his soul racked with agony, remember what he did. He honored his mother to his last dying breath as he said, mother, here's your son looking to John, his good friend. And John, here is your mother. And trusting the care of his mother even as he was taking his last breath, honoring his earthly mother. And Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus is the one who humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross. The king of all creation who possesses all power and all authority served down by coming to this earth, taking on flesh to serve sinners like us. So that if we place our faith in him, we would be covered with the righteousness of Christ, given his righteous record so that he would take our sinful rebellious record. And we can enjoy all the benefits and blessing as a co-heir of Christ's. Not the least of which is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is our power to be transformed and to carry out this command 
by honoring those in authority over us, starting with our parents within the home. Last year, 18-year-old bull rider Cody Hooks came out of the chute at a bull riding event and he was bucked off so hard that he fell to the ground in the arena unconscious. And the bull is still thrashing around right near him and, and all of a sudden you see his father jump the railing and come and cover, lay upon his son's body to take the blow of the horns of the, of the bull as it comes to, to spear him. Is that not the kind of father that every one of us in here desires and longs for? Because I know that there are some of us in here who have been longing to hear from mom and dad, whether you're young or whether you're old, that they love you and to experience that in their actions towards you. And if that's you, let me invite you to look to the father who through the son covers you with his righteousness and delights in you and calls you my beloved. How we see our heavenly father will determine how we will honor our parents and those in authority over us. If you are in Christ, you have the father's unchanging approval and love. Let that sink in. No more you need to do because it's been done by the son. See, we can't honor mom and dad or any other authority from the heart until we see that we have this approval. And only then will we experience in this unshakable security of the Father's love, be able to honor those whom God puts over us and steward the power and authority given to us so that it benefits others and bring honor and glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our good Father who provides for us in every way, even through the authority he puts in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we confess that we are rebels at heart, but we are so grateful that you sent your son, the perfect one to come, to fulfill this command and every other command that we have failed to uphold. And Lord, we thank you that you've entrusted us with your spirit. So Lord, would you bring conviction in our lives as children, as parents, as employees, employers, of the places where we dishonor those that you have generously given to us in, as authority and ultimately how we have dishonored you. And Lord, may we know that we show to a world around us when we, instead of moving with disrespect and dishonor, we actually submit in reverence and in gratitude for the gift that you've given us in authority. Father, that would be a welcome thing in this culture and people would want to know how and why we would wanna do such a thing and we can point to you, our Savior. So Father, work this in our hearts this week, we pray in Christ's name, amen.